Hey everyone, my name is Adrian. My name is Aaron. Welcome back to To Teach One, the health and wellness podcast that aims to empower you by improving your awareness of your mental, social, and physical being through shared experience. Thank you for choosing to spend your time with us. Thank you for investing in yourself. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcast and join our community on Facebook and Instagram at T-W-O-T-E-A-C-H-O-N-E and on our website at www to teach one.com that's www the number two t-e-a-c-h one.com to teach one today we're going to break the monotony of uh, some of the heavier topics that we really discuss and uh, talk about something that we've you know we've kind of done this before right uh, we love history and we love ha- having these open discussions yeah. and uh, so today we're going to discuss uh, the black plague yeah dude it, i am so psyched man uh so i've done a little bit of research right and I just want to kind of roll right in, right? So the Black Plague uh, was formed at Roanoke, Virginia. Uh, they combined aggressively melodic guitar riffs, thunderous bass tones, powerful and technical drums, and a massive range of vocals from screams to cleans to form a style of metal all their own with widespread influences from Mudvayne and Protest the Hero to Arch Enemy and Lamb of God, the band has taken every moment since they formed in 2013 to cultivate and hone their sound and bring that to the professional stage in their growing list of fans. Black Plague has had the pleasure of sharing the stage with bands such as Godsmack, Lamb of God, A Day to Remember, Of Mice and Men, The Offspring, Upon a Burning Body, All That Remains, Unearth, I Prevail, Beartooth, Mushroom Head, Avatar, Butcher Babies, Soil, Power Man 5000, Saliva, Soften the Glare, Dead Horse Trauma, Conquer Divide, and many more. Their newest EP, Existence, was released in mid-April 18, recorded and produced by Jamie King of the um, Basement um, Studio. Wait, wait. Yeah. I don't think that's the Black Plague we're talking about. The, what, what do you mean? The when Black I, Plague as in the pestilence, the disease, the... Black Plague of uh, 13 what? The, yeah, from the 1300s. 13, well, it depends oh, on which one you're talking about. Mm-hmm. In Europe, it was the 1300s. <laughs> oh, so we're not talking about the Black Plague, the, the band? No. The up-and-coming like r- hard rock dude? Bro. Okay. Well, I mean, Is I, that yeah. what all your research was based on? Dude, it's all out the window now, man. It's all out the window, dude. Well, I, had, you know, I had biographies. Well, dude, you, gotta, you should see like they got some sweet like beard stuff going down. How's their merch game? Uh, merch game strong, dude, and they're also available. Like, if you want to look them up, uh, you know, I mean, I'm just saying, like, okay, we can talk about the Black Plague. Fortunately, I'm pretty well versed in history, so I think I can roll with what we were going to talk about. I'm sure you. But can. I'm just saying, you should you should check them out, right? They're, I think they're up and coming. I think you might hear some more from okay. the from okay. the Black Plague. Thank you. If you're out there Thank listening, you. Black Plague, dude, you know, stay strong, man. Yeah, also, uh, Dead Horse Trauma, greatest band name ever. I'm just saying, like, I don't know, I've never heard of, of Dead Horse Drama, but I'm just saying, like, the, yeah, r- rock, like, if you can't see me, I'm doing the, the horns doing right the now. Horns. Like, okay, like, all right. Okay, you, yo, so Aaron, we'll switch. No, I, I, I appreciate you, man. I is really that, do. It, you know, what I do, what I do really appreciate is that we have some, you know, guests in the house, um, one of which is the Flowin' Owen. Uh, oh, nice. who yeah. brought some uh, research also. So hopefully he's not doing the same thing. Uh, we'll find well, out, yeah. We've got, we've got Flo and Owen, okay? Yeah. And we've got David the Beard. Yeah, oh, it's, man. What's up? Technical whiz, newest edition. 
Yeah, we're psyched. Yeah, we haven't we haven't even really gotten to that. One time, sometime we're gonna have to have like a, an onboarding oh, uh, yeah. for David. Okay. So you know, we could just let him let you know talk to us about what he f- plans to do. Yeah. Looking forward. Yeah. So man. so are y'all not here to talk about uh, heavy metal? No, I am. Oh, all right. See, okay. Yeah. Dave, David's with it. Okay. It's cool. We'll switch. Good. I'm just saying, it's no, no big deal. You know, I mean, Black Plague, it's an honest mistake. Right? It's an honest mistake. Right? Happens all the time. Yeah, you know. If anything, I'm just impressed at, you know, the way you approached it with such energy and enthusiasm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you really went for it. So, hey, yeah. you know, okay. does that. It's, it's all good, man. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. It's yeah. kind of like the episode we did on cancer. Remember, I thought it was going to be all about the sign cancer, and it turns out it was about the disease. You I mean, know, who knew, right? Astrology is important, too. <laughs> <laughs> also happens all the time. Yeah, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, so real quick, guys, guys, let's just get straight into black death metal. Yes. Right? Mm. Yeah. We should have had Jacob here for that one. Oh, yeah. He'll be <laughs> right. that. If we're going to have that discussion, Jacob has to be here, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, the definitely. white shark, man. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So anyway. Where are we at? Black Plague. The Black Plague. The Black Plague. But it's it didn't just take place in Europe. There's lots of history that, you know, behind the Black Plague and the different types of plagues, right? And, uh, you know, we have a friend of ours, Owen, Flowen Owen, that is actually uh, going to be a doctor sometime soon. But he was very enthusiastic about this topic. You know, there was just yeah. kind of a glint in his eye when we <laughs> mentioned what we wanted to talk about. What was that about, man? You, you got really excited. <laughs> All right, so taking it back to sophomore year of high school right here. Okay. Nice. So in my history class, we learned about some of this stuff, and uh, I really don't remember much about it, to be honest. So yeah. I did some some research, some homework, and, and that was it. But I knew enough, and he taught me well enough to where I realized that this topic, like other great historical events or like right. timelines, right. we can talk about through all sorts of different perspectives. So we can talk about how this influenced art, society, politics, individuals, all sorts of different things. Right. And so I thought that this, the Black Plague as a topic was just, it's a wealthy topic. Yeah, absolutely, man. I definitely think so. And then, I mean, I'm also particularly interested in, you know, some of the medical aspects, right? Because yes. there's some things I looked up in, a, like the plague doctors, right? Like, why did they wear those masks with the beaks? It's amazing. They thought that, you know, it spread through the air, you know. Well, yeah. So, yeah, we'll talk about all that That's, stuff, yeah, right? It kind of did sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe, right? <laughs> Maybe. Right. <laughs> well, no, you know, and it's fascinating to talk about historical topics like that because even though it happened in, you know, the 14th century, you know, and we're living, what, 600 years later, it still had this massive impact on the society that we have today. Yeah, absolutely. And you kind of forget about that, right? Yeah. Right. And there's all this myth and legend that grew up out of that. And then, you know, separating the truth from the fiction and kind of learning about what life was like so long ago. Right. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, you know, let's get started, man. Let's do it. Teach us, teacher. Where are we starting? Where we start? Where do you want to start? So there's a, there's a few spheres that when I was taking notes popped out to me. Okay. There's the historical context. What was going on before the Black Plague, you know, just in the world at that time. So right. that, that's a big one. You know, sure, the timeline, yeah. the years, nations involved, all that right. sort of stuff. Um, the beginning of the plague is very interesting. So that was like a whole different topic. How did we go from, you know, one person being sick to, you know, millions and millions of people dying over right. like a couple decades and sometimes even within a couple years. Um, 
the science behind it. Obviously, you talked about that a little bit, Adrian. I think that's really interesting, as well as the social aspects. To me, that I'm the most excited actually talking about this. Right. Almost like role playing and just talking about like, what would it be like if 70% of your city yeah, dies? Right. What would you do? How yeah. would how would services function? Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. And and then one other thing that I thought was interesting was like Aaron was talking about was outcomes or like repercussions of the black plague. And then after that, there's a little bit about the controversy of the illness. Um, what caused it? Were there a couple different diseases going around? How were they spread? Was it by rats? Was it by fleas? Was it carried by humans? Yeah. There's all sorts of different ideas on that. So yeah, that's that, that was like the first thing that stuck out to me when I was doing research is like just how wealthy this topic was. So, yeah, I guess let's get into it, huh, guys? Yeah, so from a historical perspective, yeah, let's start with the I, history. What, what I was surprised to know is that, it, it, you know, when people think about the Black Plague, you're just thinking about, like, what's really been depicted the most, right? Which is how, how it took place in Europe, right? And, you know, the effects and all that. But that wasn't the only place the plague has existed. So, you know, tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so before we get to talking about the history of how the plague hit, maybe we should take a moment to talk about what the plague is, right? So technically the plague is any major disease, like a plague is a major disease that wipes out a lot of people. I mean, it's a simple explanation. It's not hugely scientific. But when we're talking about the Black Plague, the interesting thing is nobody really knows. Mm -hmm. So it isn't like it is now where you have scientists who like – for instance, when something happens with Ebola, and we hear about that, the reason they know it's Ebola is they find a sick person, they withdraw some fluids, some kind of skin, and they look at it, right? And they have a, like another thing they look at, and they go, oh, these match up. They look at it under a microscope. So microscopes aren't invented back then. Uh, modern scientific methods aren't invented back then. So nobody knows. But later plagues that happened in the 18th and 19th century lead most scientists to think that it caused um, by a Y pestis. That's Y dot pestis. So the idea is, and this is the common understanding of what happened with uh, Y pestis, is that it was spread by rats and the fleas that were on rats. Mm -hmm. And it was very interesting because uh, Owen and I were talking about this earlier. There's this really kind of gross but interesting deal where the fleas, right, you, you know, were getting their uh, their insides blocked up. So they weren't getting any nutrients, which made them even hungrier. So they burrowed in even more to their hosts. And then they were actually regurgitating this stuff right into these wounds, which really spread this bacteria. And the thing with the Black Plague is there were several different forms, right? So a lot of people hear about the bubonic plague. And yeah. that's just one form of how this bacterium uh, spreads. And that can knock you out in like a week, right? So, I mean, we have people who are just, you know, feeling sick one day and then four days later they're dead. Which right. is, you know, pretty drastic. I mean, even today when you get a disease that's going to take you out or that's terminal, you have months, years, you right. know. The onset was so rapid. Yeah, very rapid. And so, so, so we've talked a little bit about that. And so it's interesting that the – like if you were to go to the History Channel website and you were to look up the Black Plague, you would hear about these 12 ships that entered this harbor in Italy in, I think – 
you know, the time period is the, the late 1200s, the early 1300s. And that's kind of where they think that it started, right? But that's it's a very Eurocentric yeah. way to look at it. It really started in China, right? The Silk Road, the trade coming from China, that's where they think that the plague started and then spread into Europe through trade routes. And once it began to affect the major cities of Europe, right, all, you know, just all hell breaks loose, basically. Right. You know, people start dropping like flies. Again, this is a time before any type of understanding of germ theory, of bacteria. They had no idea there was this entire world of tiny things that were affecting them. So that you get into this this whole issue of what is even causing this, and they didn't know, you know. I wanted to, you know, go directly to uh, one of the sources here. Did you want to? Do you want to chime in? Yeah, there's yeah, a few on, things yeah. you've already mentioned that are really interesting. The first is that when I learned about this, and generally, I think when most people think about this, it's generally framed as a Eurocentric disease, right? Yeah. Um, but like the the vast amount of numbers um, that died in Europe are potentially very equivalent to what died or the amount of people that died in Asia. Yeah. Potentially like one-to-one -one or very close. Mm. And that's that's pretty wild that the Black Plague is pitched as a European disaster. Right. Well, it's interesting too, we often forget that Europe and Asia are technically one continent. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know? And so anything that affects Europe is going to affect Asia and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Especially... Because there was a lot of trade going on, you know, through them. And also the Middle East was hit extremely yeah, hard, yeah. you know. Yep. Some of the early kingdoms, uh, you know, Turkey and or what is modern day Turkey in that area. Yep. A few things real quick. First of all, this black play we're talking about now, it's generally numbers is thrown around about 25 million to maybe 50 million on the high end, maybe 100 million casualties in 542 AD to the mid middle 700s AD huh. um, in Turkey in Istanbul which was back then the city of Constantinople actually I don't know if that's a city or nation do you know that it's a city it's city. a city okay yes. yeah. cool thank you and uh, at the height of the black plague in Paris about 800 or 900 people a day were dying in Constantinople during that time frame, the 542 to mid 700s AD, 10,000 people every day were dying from the Black Plague that they had back then. Wow. 10,000 every day. Um, and then estimates indicate that half of Europe's population, about 100 million, died before, like as a result of that plague. Wow. The, so, the 542 plague? Yep. Wow. Would you say 10,000 a day? Yes. Dude, if that happened today, <laughs> can you imagine the response? It's a lot like of empty homes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. Just so like, crazy. think about it. Just ghost towns everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And that is, that would be so crazy. And what do you do with the people? You can't hold funeral services and you can't bury oh, 10,000 yeah. people. Yep. What do you wow, do with them? Man. Burn them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's literally yeah. what you have to do. You have to, yeah. And, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Feel free. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, for everyone listening, David just reached around the microphone and asked Adrian like, if we're allowed to curse. Like yeah. a gentleman. How censored and then, is this? And then this? Arian and Adrian real quickly said, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't go out of our way, but it's certainly acceptable. This is an adult. Listen, <laughs> censorship and politi political correctness is something that is starting to plague our society. And uh, we like to be a little bit more free here. You know, right I mean, I don't know if this is the right podcast to use plague but yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> well yeah, done. Excellent, excellent. But yeah, it's amazing that, you know, so this whole thing had happened before, just further back in history. Yes. And I think it's it's sort of happened ever so often throughout all of human history. Yes. Now, you know, we're not talking about it today, but one of the things that we were speaking about is some of the understanding now or the idea that what left North America open for European uh, settlement was a, a horrible plague that wiped out about 90% of the Americas before the first Europeans got here. You know, So these things are hugely impactful throughout history. Yeah. So tell us more. So before we go any further, David said something. Imagine living in that city. Imagine those homes. To me, that's the most interesting part of thinking for me about the Black Plague. Sure. What was it like to live back then, actually? And yeah. of course, I, I don't know, but I can try to role play and figure it out. So I want to talk to you guys about that. Like, yeah, let's, that's what I want to hear. You know, it is fascinating because we could talk all about the facts, you know, and, and there are some very interesting historical things that happen, and we'll, we'll get into that. And there's also some science behind it that we haven't really talked about yet. Yeah. But yeah, I like that because let's start off thinking right now we live in Denver. Okay. Right. And can you imagine if your neighbors, the people you work with, uh, your friends, all of a sudden were getting a disease where they felt sick on Monday and by Thursday they were gone? Yeah. You know? And you said that happened to what, like 50% of the population? Close to it? It's a good question. And it was very different. In some different cities and some different towns, um, some places were barely affected. Um, in some places, up to maybe around 70% were killed. I, I think on average, I think you could say probably about half was a decent thing to go by. So like half the people I know and interact with would right. be gone within right. a, or a couple weeks. Yeah. Yep. You know, and, and where do you, I mean, can you hold funeral services for that many people? You know, I mean, do you, are you even able to process that? You know, our modern understanding of trauma and grief is that for one person who's close to you, if they pass, it's going to take you a while to return to a sort of normal, you know, for whatever that means, state. But at least to get over it, to process it, to do the grieving. If you lose that many people that are important to you, what does that even do to your psyche going forward, you know? Yeah, I mean, and you're just talking about like, you know, individually, that's what we're going through, right? But as a city... And, uh, you know, society, right? What happens? I'm, I'm seeing all kinds of looting, like all uh-huh. kinds of crazy stuff. I oh, mean, sure, that, yeah. That's complete, you know, end of days type, you know, things happening, yeah. right? They're gonna probably going to have to call in the military. They don't have a military. Oh, wait. Right, half yeah, of them right. are gone. Right? That's right. It's there not looting. Too. It's just free stuff. <laughs> right, right, right. It's true. You think about it because like, that's oh, we're calling the military. Military is just as affected as everybody else, right? right? They're people too, right. And and it's fascinating because one of the effects of the plague, we were talking about this just a second ago, is, man, when something like that happens, people look for somebody to blame. And especially, like now, at least there's some understanding of germs. But I guarantee you, if a new germ showed up, they'd be like, it was brought by these people over here. They brought this germ, right? There's always this idea that we need to find somebody to blame. And in the Middle Ages, it was, you know, subgroups like uh, the indigenous peoples of regions, uh, the Jewish populations of regions, the, you know. The church. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, you know, they had to find somebody and maybe it was the, the sinners, and there's this interesting little side note, uh, the cats, 
right? So there mm. is some debate as to whether the plague was caused by rats because this idea was that the rats carried the, the lice and the, the, the lice or the fleas and stuff like put on humans and blah, blah, blah. But later on, they noticed, see, all of our science comes from later plagues that happened, much less dangerous because of more modern science. So we look back and we notice that rats did play a role in those, but there was a huge rat die-off. There's no report of a huge rat die-off. Plus the way that it spread like eight miles a day sometimes. Incredible. But there's this theory. It's kind of interesting. These myths grow up, especially after 600 years. So one of the popes, I believe his name was Justinian number uh, something, like 10, 11, talked about how cats were used in rituals of Satanists. And so cats were not welcome. So cats were slaughtered, killed, uh, not welcome in homes. Therefore, rats, mice. And then that's what led to the Black Plague. Now, we don't really know if that's true, but that's what I'm talking about. Things need to be explained. People need to explain these things. And that would happen to us. If this happened in Denver tomorrow, I guarantee you there'd be some group who was not powerful and able to speak for themselves that would sort of take the blame, right? Perhaps uh, the population of uh, our neighbors without homes would yes. be an easy target because yes. who's going to, you know, go to bat for them? Uh, of course, we have, you know, people like our friend, you know, Quico Montoya, you know, yeah. who, who definitely, you know, take up the mantle of doing that. But I, d I don't see how that wouldn't be who, you know, we just decide to point our finger at because it's easy. It's like, oh, no, you. Yeah. You know, you know yeah. The, the gentleman over there that's unhoused that maybe hasn't, had access to a washroom, uh, right. all these things. Yeah, it would happen. And it's, it's so interesting to think about how modern society would operate, right? What we do have is the advantage of some science, right? So science has come a long way. Mm -hmm. And that's why we haven't had the plague in North America, right? At least since what might have happened before European settlers – because the science has become so advanced. So now the plague only kills about 10 to 11. They, it still exists in it the does. world. Yes, yeah. yes, it, it does. It's in this neck of the woods, too. It's generally California and the yeah. southwestern states where the deaths are. Yeah, but it's only like an 11% death rate as opposed to like 94 yeah. back then, you know. It's uh, it's super interesting. And then it's, it's kind of funny because... I don't know how many of our listeners are, you know, into some alternative history explanations, but there's a very popular history channel show called Ancient Aliens. Right. And they posit that, of course, their whole uh, their whole explanation for a lot of prehistory is that, you know, aliens came from somewhere else, created the human race, and then occasionally they would cull it, much like if we were breeding um, horses – we might occasionally decide that these horses weren't good enough to breed, those kinds of things, right? And so the idea is maybe because, you know, there's these population centers like Milan, right, who never were hit. And so people search for explanation. And in that search for meaning, it may be outside the bounds of what a lot of people accept as rational. Nevertheless, somebody thought enough of it to put the money to create an hour-long show that airs on a premium, you know, or not premium, but at least a cable channel. And so the idea is that maybe the plagues throughout history have been a way for these alien overlords to cull the herd, right? 
And there have been some effects that have happened to especially the European population, at least as far as I'm aware of, that have been fairly positive as a result of the plague. Interesting. Um, let me see if I can remember this right. 10% of people before the plague lived to be past 70. And a few years after the plague ended, that number skyrocketed to 20%. Really? Past 70. As well as they've done some genetic testing right from you know bones and all that stuff and they're able to see that let me see if i can pull up a specific note that i have basically the immune system of these people right. um, that survived this or improved it's better and that they leave live longer and healthier lives wow there's also a rather interesting thing when you talk about you know culling a population that this was uh, one of the factors that increased the iq among that population like during that time that's so interesting yeah yeah i feel like that's kind of basic evolutionary theory that at the end yeah. of the day well, those true. that survive mm -hmm. for whatever reason have the ability to survive that's absolutely yeah. true. Yeah, you don't really sure. need the whole idea of the aliens about that. Mm -hmm. Just people who survive stressful or, yeah, like things, they're just naturally more fit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's interesting. And, and it goes like, so, right, one one like way that IQ shows up, right, is like planning, um, taking things that are important, realizing what's not important. Um, that's also kind of like executive cognitive functioning, but just like getting a game plan. What do you, What do you do? When this comes into your city and the first boat arrives and the whole crew's dead. Right. Or, or you see that whole block die. Mm -hmm. You need a game plan, right? And like, who do you trust? Or like, do you, do you change your habits or not? Are you eating different things, drinking different things? Are you letting anyone into your house? Are you interacting with anyone? Are you even leaving your house? Right. Yeah. Like, I think that there's probably something to be said for like the people that had like the plan are able to adjust like their day-to-day second-to-second decisions based upon like what their neighbors and their sure. sickly neighbors were doing were able to survive. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. I mean, the first modern quarantine happened as far as we know around this time period. And it yeah. was some of the cities that were spared. I mean, we talk about it as being mysterious, right? Yes. But it very well could have been and most likely was the planning and the foresight of the leaders of these cities, I know especially uh, one of them was Ragusa, I believe I'm saying that correctly, uh, who they had like, okay, so if you were new and you're coming in, again, you know, remember there's no modern transportation and the time periods that things happened much slower. So they were able to say to people like, okay, so you're coming new to our city, fine, you're going to spend two months outside the city and these things that we've set up to make sure that the sick people, you're going to get sick within these 60 days and you're not coming in until then. And if a section of the city did get sick, they were like, okay, well, you can't leave. And these methods, right, would lead to leaving the people that were smart enough and able enough to take these measures as being the ones that lived, right? Incredible. And so, of course, then their kids would be that. And then also the more biologically, you know, sound, right? Yeah would have been able to maybe fight off the plague um, and those that couldn't, you know, wouldn't. Milan was another one of those cities, right? That mm, yeah. supposedly there was only one family, there was one household that died. Right. And I think right after that, supposedly they're like, they quarantined them or that area. Um, and there was a few things I was reading up on that, like the, yeah, the city of Milan did. 
Um, so obviously they, they like barred entrance into their city. Um, whoever left, whoever came, you know, was clearly very closely monitored. They implemented basically like a passport system, but it was hmm. almost like a, where are you from? And we need to know that where you're coming from hasn't been hit by the plague yet. And so they had a network of spies that were like stationed and were like, oh, that city's okay. Or like that one's hit hard and they would know to not take people in from those certain cities. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's just some good planning. Yeah. It, terrifying though, right? To go back to the the whole like mass hysteria thing. You, we talked about how, you know, blaming people and stuff like that. Um, one of the theories back in the day of how the plague was spread, when I say back in the day during that time, mm -hmm. um, so now is miasma, but basically the air is bad. Right. Yeah. So the thing to blame is the air. Right. Huh. And imagine how scary that is, man. What you're breathing is just going to turn you into this, you know, zombie that's going to die in four days or seven days. And you're going to have these black pussy wounds opening on you. Right? Yeah. Which kind of leads us into the discussion because there are three different types of plague. So we hear bubonic plague, but that's just one of them, right? So there's, there's uh pneumonic, right? So the pneumonic plague is actually, it is the air, right? So yeah. it's spread through the lungs, through the coughing of somebody who's infected. And like, that's the one that knocks you out in like four days, yeah. right? That's the worst one to get. And because it's spread through somebody coughing, and again, people didn't know, like, it's so interesting because we hear air and we think, oh, the, the infected air. But see, their concept of infection wasn't around. Yeah. So it's like the air. So they weren't making any difference between me being like two inches from your face and me being five feet across the room, which we would do now. Yeah. Was you there know? a dirty air part of town? Yeah, exa exactly. Right. A dirty air part of town. And then who lived there <laughs> and those people got to go. Right. Yeah. Man, that's scary. Uh, so the bubonic plague, though was a little bit different. Uh, you would uh, get it um, in the lymph nodes, right? And then the septemic plague, I believe I'm saying that correctly, is in the blood. Right? Septicemic. Septicemic. Thank yep. you very much. Yes, I, I appreciate Septicemia, that. Septicemia, yeah. Yes. Blood. You know, and so th these were the, the major forms of the plague. And the pneumonic, is my understanding, was the deadliest, of course, because it did come through infected air. I imagine... Much like tuberculosis is today, right? Where, you know, if you're infected, the if you're talking super close to somebody, like that's the way you get in. Yeah. Which you know, it's fascinating how uh, disease spreads. Now, but is it is is it the disease actually just you know kind of transferring through the air, or is it more of a micro? Uh, like, you know, phlegm and like fluids, right, from your system that are making their way through the air into your system. My understanding would be that those little, the Y pestis, that bacterium, right. if, if, my, if I have the pneumonic version and my lungs are sick, right. um, then these guys are literally growing in my lungs. Right. Um, and so when I cough, when I speak, um, yeah, little particles of, you know, whatever phlegm or saliva, whatever, whatever it is. So, okay, exactly. Cool. It carries that and like a mist, you're right? gonna, you Something. get inoculated by that. Yeah. Wow. wow. And, and you know, I think that, so I, I have this image of the plague doctors, man. It's, yeah. uh, you know, this, it's, it's almost Halloween, man. And there's those costumes that are available. Actually, because when I, when I was getting ready for this episode, I thought to myself, maybe that's what I should be for Halloween. But I just think that cool. ima the imagery, it's so cool, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, these, you know, this guy with these like, you know, freaking 
glasses on or whatever like it, who came up with like this whole costume it looked really really cool like way too put together it doesn't seem like something that was put together for you know just protection it wasn't just function right there's a form factor to <laughs> <Yeah>. it <laughs> it definitely right? is and uh so i was reading up on these guys hmm. and it turns out that they weren't actually like they weren't the um most revered and uh, uh doctors that were looked at as being the people with the most experience right a lot of times they were kind of like you know i won't say like they were coax or anything but they were the guys who were looking to just and i think that speaks to like the like how they were dressed because part of it was a show and because they didn't have as many you know clients and they weren't uh seen to be um uh as uh, professional or 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 sorry or knowledgeable right and effective this was their chance to actually like, you know, gain some notoriety. And so they came out the woodworks and they had these, you know, this get up on. And of course, you know, the, the beak had all of these like herbs and all these sweet smelling ah, things okay. in it Wow! to like block, you know, try and block some of that bad air Wow! from getting to them, you know? Yeah. But yeah, when I saw that and I thought about it, I thought to myself, you know what? Gas masks, okay? Yeah. Modern gas masks. There's nothing... Okay, yeah, we do kind of look at them and like, like oh, that's kind of cool, right? But it doesn't have the same effect as this, you know, this this costume this guy's wearing. There's a lot of, like, you know, show there. You yeah. Know? It's, it's, it's pretty mysterious and kind of, like... I mean, I think it's, like, really cool. Yeah, well, and again, you know, they believed in a much different way of how the world works. And right. so evil spirits, spirits that could be scared off by your appearance, right, were a real thing to them. Exactly. So yeah, you know? so yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so actually, yeah, so maybe it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't meant to have that effect of, oh man, look at this, look at it. it's kind of cool or whatever. Maybe it is just supposed to ward off, you know, evil spirits. Yeah. And I think it's interesting too that unknowingly it probably helped a lot of those people survive because Agreed. if the the lung you know, was the thing. And you're wearing this long beak-like mask. And it wouldn't matter what you put in there, but just anything to prevent those s- small bacterium from getting to you right. probably helped, right? Even yeah, just absolutely. the mask was probably helpful. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, imagine the smell too, though. Of yeah. course, that's oh, why yeah. they packed it with all kinds of herbs and like sweet smelling, you know. Well, and things. that's one of the things like we talked about if mm. it did hit. Like, so if your city is experiencing a death rate of thousands upon thousands a day a day you are going to have to resort to we would have to do it right because we can't leave just dead bodies lying yeah. in in giant heaps because we know that that's going to spread disease even more right and although they didn't quite understand that the same thing happened where they're like okay we got to get rid of these bodies and so all we can do is put them in giant piles and burn them and so can you imagine just the smell of that? So not only, yeah. especially in the Middle Ages, mm. where the – so now we have a very firm understanding that you cannot uh, walk around in excrement, right? You can't, you can't have animal excrement or human excrement anywhere near where you live. They just didn't know that. So the cities smelled, people smelled, uh, burning things. I mean, I would imagine that it was a relief to put on that mask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You still have that in certain third world countries today that people don't don't have the education that you're not supposed to have excrement near where you live or near water sources either. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the main sources. Of, what is it? Cholera, I believe. A whole bunch of things. A whole bunch of things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just bad for you. Yeah, it's so interesting that modern science um, 
as as we understand it, as we live in a first world country, common knowledge, right? But if you don't grow up with that, it's not like it's just inborn. The whole system that we have set up for at least basic education, I know we talked about that when we did the battlefield medicine one, was that a lot of the stuff that you learn in eighth grade science class was world revolution or revolutionary when it was first understood, like germ theory, something that all kids, you just grow up knowing in a first world nation because of our structure. You're just not going to know if you live in a society that's sort of outside of that educational structure. And imparting that knowledge is a lot of what people do when they go there and they do things for these cultures is to explain this to them. And imagine being able to go back in time and explain it to them. Like, hey, if you guys will wear, put masks on the people that are coughing, would have been way more effective than everybody else walking around with masks, (laughs) you know? And we would know that now, but they didn't know it then. And it's just fascinating how history has come up, uh, since just the idea of you know people gaining knowledge again before the show um and our listeners will know this the idea of the guy who realized that pouring boiling boiling oil on a gunshot wound not a good idea just being intelligent enough this is before the scientific method became uh, a thing but he was able to recognize this thing that i'm doing isn't working this thing is and how much of that grew during time periods of great stress. And that would be difficult to realize that when all the authority figures, right? everyone, it's just known that's what you do to treat, you know, that gunshot wound. Right, yeah. It's so difficult to go against the grain, even today. Yeah, even today. The, I mean, paradigm shift, right? Yeah. This is interesting because any anomaly that fits outside of the current structure of what's believed to be scientifically accurate is a lot of times just not even paid attention to. So another doctor, doctor being a different term, it was funny they had the term surgeon barber, right? Which, uh, not something you hear anymore. Barbershop, right? Where they also performed surgeries. Yeah, yeah. And so you knew that you could either go there to uh, get your hair cut or perhaps have your uh, wisdom teeth pulled. Yeah. Or something. Um, also, look, You're already in the chair. Why not? Exactly. <laughs> exactly yeah. Would you also like a shave? Yeah. I'll be sure to use the different scalpel that I opened up your kidneys with. <laughs> yes. Which leads me, uh, our first sponsor is uh, Dr. Owen's uh, Barbershop and Surgery. Uh, come on in, get an appendectomy and a shave. Uh, have a special this week on bleedings. Uh, <laughs> Bloodletting. <laughs> Bloodletting. Yes. yes, yes. I mean, yeah, it's... It's amazing how it's funny for us, but for them, very real. Yeah, absolutely. You know, since you brought up bloodletting, the plague doctors actually use bloodletting as one of the methods for treating uh, black plague victims. Okay. Now, so bloodletting is one of the other things. The other remedy they used was putting frogs or leeches on the buboes. Is that how that's pronounced? Not yeah, true. yeah, yeah. I think well, like bubonic stands so, for the right. the lymph nodes would swell up the and swollen, get these swollen. Right, yeah. right. So putting frogs or <laughs> leeches on the bubos. Um, also, oh, specifically to balance the humors. Okay. Well, of course, yeah, you know, balance the humors. I know, I I spend a good part of my day, you know, the, the, balancing the humors. Yeah, yeah. If you're yeah. not starting your day that way, you're not maximizing your time. Absolutely. Um, now, balancing the humors, is that like sarcastic jokes versus, <laughs> is that how that, no. No. So we actually tried to look up exactly what they mean when they say the humors. Mm-hmm. And there was quite a 
elaborate exp- uh, explanation of what. So it just says humorism or humor humoralism was a system of medicine detailing the makeup and workings of the human body adopted by ancient Greek and Roman physicians and philosophers. Interesting. Right. So it was like the spirit of the body? Is that is that what I'm thinking? Uh, you know, I, I honestly, I, I couldn't tell you exactly what that really looks like. That's just the yeah, explanation they gave here. That's fascinating, though. Because I think the lens, you know, from which these people were viewing things, right? There was so much right. superstition and, like, the, everything was so intertwined, right? Spirit, body. And so the way they described things sometimes it makes it hard, to, like, for us to it is figure true. out today. Because <laughs> we don't see things the same way. Everything yeah. is yeah. so kind of compartmentalized. Like, okay, cool. This is this, you know, mind, body, spirit, whatever. Everything's separate. Yes. But it was all... All one thing, one back, thing then. back then. Again, back to like the surgeon barber. And, you know, when we talk about the sciences, we're talking about different sciences. For them, it wasn't a thing. And I know a, uh, you had mentioned this earlier. Tell us about the, how the hospital came about during this time period. Sure. So definitely not an expert in this matter, but hospitals evolved as a result of the Black Plague. So before this time, hospitals were interesting places. There was a conglomeration of a lot of stuff going on. Um, a lot of people um, that worked there were religious. Um, some of them like were very strongly associated with churches. Um, some of the, some like the functions they served were treating people in poverty, but not only in terms of healthcare, but in terms of like, you know, speaking them, you know, the religious word oh, and, sure. and, you know, food and all those sort of things. And it was just kind of like a gathering place. Huh. Um, and over this time, as the plague developed, right, a large amount of people were sick. And mm-hmm. so they went to the hospital for treatment. And there was a huge amount of people that were sick that needed to stay in the hospital and receive treatment at the hospital. And so the hospital kind of became a place for ill people to go and receive treatment and some of the things like feeding of others and kind of a community gathering place it ceased to become those things and perfect perfect little segue too i'm going to go back to what you guys were just talking about and adrian like with the humors right and i I don't know what they are right but we've all heard things like oh like oh you have the three humors and one's one of them is the balance of this and this where the second one is the balance of you know, this and this. And so we're going to bloodlet you or something and like rebalance one of the binaries or whatever, the dualities of your humors. Obviously, I don't know if that's how it worked, but you guys get the drift, right? Right. Um, Medicine ceased to like use as much of that theory-based thinking Hmm. after the Black Plague. We had religious people. We had um, politicians. We had different types of medical practitioners trying to treat people that had the plague. And really, none of them were very successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they analyzed that. Hmm. Why couldn't we do this? Like, obviously, the bloodletting didn't work, or obviously, this didn't work. Right. And so it, it became to be more evidence based instead of theory based. Right. Like, it ought to work this way because of this theory I have, as opposed to, well, I'm looking at this and determining what's working from the actual looking, not from building the theory from the evidence, exactly. as opposed to the other way. Exactly. Which is basically how our modern science works. Exactly. When it works effectively. Exactly. Huh. That's fascinating. And it also must have been some formation of a communication network that that was able to happen. Right. So that if somebody came up with some way to 
treated disease or whatever it was, they were able to share that with the other med- the rest of the medical community, whatever that was at that point. Sure. Which I'm sure would have taken place through the hospital. Mm-hmm. Huh. And, and universities started to teach more actual medicine instead of like, here's this weird philosophy that is all encompassing for all of life, including medicine. Medicine started to be taught, you know, surgeries and that kind of stuff. So I think that the universities would have been a place too. Yeah, that's interesting because that did happen a lot. I know I studied philosophy in college and you had all these systems that these guys would come up with like, this is the entire universe summed up in my book. Yes. And then what that means is that all these other things should fit into that. And they usually didn't, right? In fact, if they had, I think we'd all be following like one thing right now. We're like, yeah, it got figured out in 1450. We've been using it since then, right? World's been great. And that's not how it's been. Absolutely. So I want to pose a question to a few of you guys. Um, we've already touched upon it. I want to ask David and Adrian more of this. We're just because we've talked more, you know what I'm saying? Sure. So I want to get them involved a little bit. Yeah. Back to this idea of role playing. Okay. And after some of the things we've talked about, Aaron and I came in and did a little more research than you guys did by design, right? Yes. Um, and so I want to see what you guys think about the Black Plague now. So I, I guess I have one question that I'll start with. What do you think you would do if Denver right now did that? It's a good one. So you just want us to, you know, role play. And so we're in this city. The plague has... Is you know is affecting you know the inhabitants. What do we do? Yeah, my what gut reaction is grab a bunch of food and drive. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like drive to Canada, drive to the mountains, get away from people. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I think similar thinking. Maybe not immediately. You know that because I'd probably be like so very similar, right? Gather some supplies and uh, put into action my you know my exit plan, right? Because I actually have one. No, if there was like something serious going on, yeah. where do I go? You know, if I have family, like, you know, my immediate family, where do we try and meet up? Communication. Like, I, I think about these things, um, not because I, you know, I'm a conspiracy theorist or whatever, or prepper or whatever. I, I just have, you know, grown to appreciate that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And so I'd, that's what I would do. But given the education that we've gotten today, Oh man, I mean, I live in a communal, you know, building, right? You know, so <laughs> me too. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that would be like really tough. I mean, so here's the thing: do we know? Do we know as much as we do after this episode? Uh, you know, in that moment, because if we do, then I'm trying to f- like figure out what do I have in house, right? Or in my room, or whatever. Like I'm looking at supplies. What do? I, what can I use to survive in here? Because I don't want to get out because, you know, because of the uncertainty of what that would entail. Yeah. And so you, you got it right. It's a two part question. I'm not going to tell you what part two is. I'm waiting to drop that on you guys. But like okay. part one is given what you know now, given our discussion and as well as just what you, you know, two intelligent people, just like in today's society, what you know about, you know, washing your hands and, and navigating today's world with today's knowledge. I want to hear a little bit about that. And the next, the next question, part two, is the most important one. So if you don't feel like you can elaborate at length on the first part, right. that's fine. 
You want to go first? Wait, so what was the question? It just basically, if it happens in Denver today. Oh, okay. You guys already answered it. Right, so my, my gut would say to run, but then there's this psychological element that I'd got to think about. Like, there are people in this world and around me that I care about. So while my initial reaction might be to just run and fend for myself, I probably would try to find a way to help people. And that's where the kind of logical aspect would go in. Like, all right, what do I know? What's the best way for me to kind of keep myself safe? How can I help other people stay safe? That type of thing. Cool. Yeah, I think very similar. Um, I definitely err on the side of immediately I'd think about like how much information can I, what do I know? I think that would be a big part, right? Because then that informs my next move. Mm. You know, obviously we have technology today. Back then it was a totally different thing. You know, some dude would have to come on a horse or some some shit like that would have to happen. But now I can just turn on the TV. Maybe I, I slept in that uh-huh. day. <laughs> Everything is going to shit outside, right? right? But I wake up and for whatever reason, I, I, I look at my phone, right? And they're like, do you live in Denver? Good luck. <laughs> 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 you know, <laughs> this is what's going on, right? And so then from there, I'm like, first off, immediate panic, right? Yeah. But then if I... That then my instinct, you know, kind of, you know, kicks in. One of the crazy things about me uh, is, you know, I've lived, I've really been through the ringer in life, right? And so I always explain to people that what the, uh, the reason why I do my job well is because when things are on fire around me, I don't react like other people do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah, initially a little bit of panic, and then like, okay, Send. we can't, we don't have time for this. That's your bring sweet it spot, like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, and then, then it becomes let's bring this in. How do we survive? Because again from the lifestyle that i used to live survival was like you know you just kick into that mode and you're like okay let's what do we do to Mm -hmm. like preserve or or get what we need and so lucky for us we've got google and all this information so if on the news if if i'm lucky enough that they say oh it's a pneumonic plague or it's this type of plague right Immediately, I'm like, okay, cool. So what's that about? (laughs) And Mm -hmm. then that informs my next move. Because here's the thing. If there's some kind of plague, I already know. I've watched enough movies and things, even if I'm not that educated, to know that maybe I shouldn't just like go and blend into, you know, the society out there, right? Let's figure out what's going on before I make my next move. And then, so yeah, if I find out, you know, some more specifics, then I kick into some kind of plan, right? So you guys made a few really good points and I'm going to, go off what you, how you just answered and go into part two. So, so you guys each mentioned a few things, right? David mentioned transportation, right? Wanting to get out of here as well as like that duty to yourself, but the the people you love and like, do I help myself? Do I help them? Can I do both? Do I put one over the other? Um, yeah. What about my loved ones? Right. That's like a serious question. Yeah, absolutely. And you, Adrian, you brought up quite a few points as well. You talked about technology. You talked about gathering your gear, which could be a whole lot of things from tents to a raincoat to good shoes to a water bottle and, and all sorts of other things too. To My Nike Zooms. <laughs> <laughs> get the Maddie boosts. And to, to technology, to just information, right? right. And, and so there's even more stuff that I'm sure we're forgetting that like we're assuming other people in previous times have had and they haven't, right? Like there's a lot of stuff that you guys just mentioned and some serious questions there. So we're going to still say we're in Denver. I mean, what are you going to do if you see someone that says they're sick and they ask for your help? What do you think you would do? And and they're not someone you know right now, but they come up, they give you some distance because they also know that they don't want to freak you out. 
they stay 10, 15 feet away. They're screaming like really loud, like, I need some help, you know? What do you do in a situation like that? Uh, once again, I think information is key here, right? So how much information was I able to gather when I decided, before I decided to like venture out? Okay. I'm guessing, just for myself, if I've decided to venture out, I've either done so because I don't think I can survive isolated, right? And I'm going to have to go out anyway. Or I've determined that it's going to be, it's not, it's safer. It's it's not uh, damning or it's not uh, fatal to leave, you know, wherever I'm at. Okay. Because say it's uh, uh, septicemic, right? Versus uh, mnemonic, right? Mm-hmm. And so in that case, if I have that information, then... I start thinking about, okay, fine, based on the information I collected, how can I help this person? And so I would definitely be down to figure that out because if we go back to like self-preservation, if I can figure out how to help this person, then there's two of us, right? They can do the same thing to for someone else and then we can grow a group of people that can help us, you know, survive, right? Sure. And we're, hel- and we're helping other people. So I think that would be just, you know, obviously I'm in a safe place right now to say that. Who sure. knows what I'd do in the moment, but of course. You know, in this uh, scenario, I think that's what I'd do. Cool. So let's go to the next like part of that and David, go for it. Um, maybe this one isn't going to be so much of a question, but more of a discussion for all of us. Like you're in your place. You're in your childhood home. I mean, I know that's like not here in Denver, right? New Jersey, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's say you're there. You're with your family and, and that happens or we're here with our families or whatever, right? Someone gets sick in your family. Just imagine, let's talk about like some of the issues that would come with that. We decided to stay in our house as a family. We're going to ride it out. We don't know, like all the details, whatever, but like we're going to ride it out as a family. Mm. And so- you know, mom gets that room, that's the sick room or whatever, right? Like, mm-hmm. let's talk about that. Right. Yeah, that'd be your, that'd be really hard. Because, um, like, I could think about it logically right now. But in each and every situation, there'd be so many factors at play. Like, you were talking about checking the news. If we were dealing with a situation similar to the Black Plague, like they had then, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust the news. Meaning yeah. every mm-hmm. station would have their own idea of what they think is going on when in reality this is probably something we've never seen to this extent so i guess in an ideal world i'd find a hazmat suit you know right um yeah and like i i think that would be the best protection i'm aware of and i think it would be smart if i was with my family or if i was with someone they got sick to yeah have like a quarantine room um yeah and it'd be difficult to set up in today's world if we have plastic sheets and we have tarps and sure. duct tape It'd be difficult to set something like that up now. Yeah. And we even know what a quarantine is. Right. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so like there's, I see some issues arising that like are potentially really difficult to deal with. Let's say, you know, I'm hanging out with someone I love and they have a cold. Sometimes I make the choice to not care and I kiss them anyway. What if that happens? Right. Um, and I think there's so many little things that like it'd be really easy for me to get sick or quote unquote by the book. I wouldn't do right. I didn't wash my hands one time before I eat a meal. You know, be honest, I probably don't wash my hands before more than half of my meals. I'm not happy about that, but it's probably the truth. Mm-hmm. In my life, that's certainly the case. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as, yeah, just just sharing a hug or sharing a space. Right. What if we have the same air conditioning and like some of the exactly, circulating? Right. There's all sorts of different components to that where like it'd be difficult 
to keep someone that lives close to me yeah. and, and like healthy and me try to treat them without me getting sick. Absolutely. And so like, I guess I kind of just want to extend the question further and it doesn't so much need to be, you know, like a, Hey, Owen versus you two, like I'm going to throw like dungeons and dragons situations and like, I'm going to role play and be the DM and you need to like, you know, live in the world I create. But like, right. The point of that is like, I want to have a discussion about like, what are some of the issues that we'd run into today? And then ultimately try to backtrack into like, you know, the, the 1300s when this was going on. Mm-hmm. Let's try to put ourselves back there. What were those issues be like then, man? And how difficult and scary would it be to survive in that time? And there's been some people that I've read about that have had very interesting responses to the Black Plague. Socially, there were some things that we might not think of. So I'm going to bring those up later. But I just want to have a discussion with everyone, all of us here. Yeah. Just about that. You know what it makes me think of, right? There's a, I don't know if anybody here has seen it. It's a small movie. You know who David Cross is? Sure. He's a... I've heard his name. He's a comedian. He was in... If you looked him up, you'd probably recognize him. But this movie takes place in Los Angeles and there's an attack. It's not a like in a, a plague type situation, but it's a situation where there's been some kind of uh, weaponized virus uh, released into the air. And it's this dinner party that they always have, well, like a brunch party. Every Sunday, this group of friends meet and some of them are there and some of them are still yet to to get there. And they realize what's happened. It's on the news. They're like, oh, oh my God, we can't let anybody in. And then some of the people who weren't there show up and they have to make this decision. Do we let these people in or do we not? And I won't tell you how it ends, but it it would be that type of thing. Like this is the situation you're saying. Your buddy might be on the way over, right? And all this news hits and you've been protected. You've been inside and he's outside, mm-hmm. what are you going to do, right? Mm. And I don't know that any of us can truly answer that sure. until we're in this situation. Yeah. But I suspect I suspect that the instinct, and this is why atrocities happen in times like this, right? Mm. Because that instinct for self-preservation mm. kicks in above all else. And so even within a family, even people you care about, when people start facing the abyss, decisions get real, and would you, you know, would you be like, I, you know, we got to, I can't let him in. Can't let Joe in. Joe's my best friend for 20 years. But if I let Joe in, I die. Probably not letting Joe in. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's harsh to say. And these are the realities these people were living with. And we're even armed with some of this knowledge. And it's kind of curious because I wonder, it might even be easier to deal with when you're like, oh, it's evil spirits. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to go ahead and let Joe in. <laughs> we're going to perform some ceremonies. I'm going to light some candles. We're going to say the magic prayers. We'll be all right. You're right. You yeah. know? I'm going to burn some point. sage, man. Yeah. Start yeah. there. It's a good point. There was uh, people that flagellate themselves, right? Like yeah, the, that was one self, of the things right about, yeah. I don't I don't want to call it self-harm, but I guess that's what it's it is, exactly right? It was, and and yeah. it's, you know, it's like a repentance for sin. Yes. Um, yeah. A lot of them were upping their their routine and yeah. like they were they were like very certain that it was because it was god sending down punishment for the sins of the world yeah and they would flagellate you know giving them open wounds and mm-hmm. spreading blood to try to repent for their sins and the sins of others so yeah. that like this damnation would stop and they would go to the cities where it was happening to do it because yes. that's how they figured it would help and then they're you know as we know it now doing the exact wrong thing right 
And what a beautiful sentiment in some ways, though. Sure. You know, like to go there and like inflict you with some bodily harm. Yeah, to yeah like... absolutely. Very selfless. Exactly. Right. Interesting. It seems like in in really stressful times and uh, when you're in that fight or flight type of situation, you rely on all the knowledge you have and all of the traditions and instincts that you have. Mm -hmm. It's not the time to start kind of thinking big picture and scientifically. It's like if somebody is deeply religious, they run to their religion, their God, you know? Right. right. If, if someone believes that, if by hurt, harming themselves, God will help others, and that's something they keep doing more, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I made a comment when we're off air, right, that this whole idea of me arming myself with information in many ways will really just be about self-soothing, right? Yeah. Right, and I wouldn't want... <laughs> The information, like my immediate reaction is like, oh, screw the media. They, they don't know what's going yeah. on. I would just be like, shut everything off. I don't care what's going on. I need find a way to protect myself, you know? Right, yeah. right. Yeah, so it's, so it's interesting. Everyone has a different idea of what is going to be the best thing to do immediately, right? I mean, I think it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a response. You don't know what you're going to do. But right. in that second, you just kick on. And that in many ways is so revealing yeah. you know to you yeah. right like in hindsight like if you if you ever go through an event and we probably have right mm -hmm. you go back and you look and here it is like the purest form <laughs> of like you know who this person is like at least part of that right seeping through and you know so so you're really informed like your belief systems yes yeah. yes well i think yeah. you made an excellent point right we go would automatically go back to what is our core our belief system and we've each sort of outlined, you know, what it is. And and it's interesting because we know that's what we would do. Because, you know, those guys, I have friends. I'm sure we all have friends who have, like, the go bag. And they're ready. Yeah. Like, they got a right. plan. They're going to the mountains. I got a bag with this and that. And then other people are like, you know, I'm just going to write it out and see, you know, because if society's going down, I'm going down. I don't, I don't have the illusion that I can actually survive by myself in the mountains. Right. It's very fascinating what happens when human beings are under stress. And I think the Black Plague presents us with this very real situation that actually happened. Right, so we can we can look back and see mm -hmm. it's some of the social consequences that happened as a result, and look at how human beings certainly acted, and it's fascinating to me because that's how philosophy mm. is founded. Because a lot of our laws and a lot of the way we construct our society is based on how we believe human beings operate under uh, duress and stress. Right. Right. And do you believe that the human being reacts well? In times of lawlessness, or do you believe that in times of great stress, that's when human beings act the worst, and then you construct your society and your police and, and your laws to reflect that? That's a very interesting point. Yeah. Um, in a sense, too, this whole discussion, it reminds me of why history is cool. Yeah. Why yeah. people's personal experience and like collective history are beautiful and like very illuminating to, right. to me, to you, to us. Right. And- Politic or sorry, legally, mm -hmm. um, there were some big changes that started to occur as a result of the Black Plague. Um, one of these was women started having homeowner rights, or I guess I should say landowner rights that previously they didn't have. And we can't say it wasn't one like this exactly directed this because some of that movement and that discussion, you know, and for equity was already being discussed. Right. But a lot of men were dead. What do you do with all the family land, right? Sure. Um, a lot of right. women were like, you know, allowed to keep 
you know, their family's land. And some of them were, even if they married in the future, were allowed to keep that. And it wasn't quote unquote taken from them or returned to the husband's family. Interesting. And so there was some pretty interesting stuff with that. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a, there's a story like that in the old Testament, a, a family of all female children. And they were asking like, what do we do with our father's plot of land? Hmm. You know, cause it's the same thing. Usually it would be passed down to the son but there's no boys as children. So what do you do there? Yeah. Wow. This is fascinating how that works. And I know too, how like the Serbs, cause at this time, you know, there wasn't like there is now where there's just people that earned wages and people that own property. You were pretty much either of the noble class who owned the land mm-hmm. or you were a serf and a serf was actually not quite a slave, in, in the sense that we think of slavery that's happened on this continent in the last few hundred years, but they were like corn. They were part of the land that they lived on, right? Well, this changed a little bit because as the workforce to, to bring in the crops dwindled, the serfs were actually able to demand more rights, you know, and it was kind of the beginning of the process that, you know, ends in the Magna Carta, which mm. is really not about the serfs, but that began that process. And of course, industrialization throughout Europe leads to a rise in the, the working class and, and, you know, serfs get their freedom later on, but it's fascinating, right? Even now, like, think about it. The modern era of women's rights in America begins with the discussion about uh, suffrage and it begins with the idea of equality, but it really takes off when all the men are called off to fight in World War II, right? And that's when modern the modern women movement really came to the fore because it was necessary for society. A lot of times we're more reactionary than proactive. Yes. Right? So when a situation demands we deal with something, that's usually when we start to deal with it. Mm. Absolutely. I think I think you're absolutely true on that as one. As much as we'd like to fool ourselves. Right. Yeah. But sometimes you can't you can't you can't know what you don't know you don't know. You know, exactly. sometimes there are things that are just outside your scope of understanding and you don't even realize it till suddenly it comes to your attention. You're like, oh, crap. Yeah, exactly. Have you all yeah. heard Donald Rumsfeld's speech about that? You got to look it up because whatever you think about Donald Rumsfeld, he was the secretary of defense under uh, uh, George Bush Jr., right? And he gives this speech that sounds like nonsense. But when you look at it, it's fascinating. And it talks about known unknowns, right? Mm-hmm. So the things you know that you don't know. And then unknown unknowns, the things you don't know that you don't know. Yes. Right? And it's this great speech because it's actually, it makes a lot of sense. Just like you were saying, mm-hmm. you may think you've taken account for the things that you don't know. Like, we don't know this over here, but then there is a whole other stuff that you don't even know that you don't know. And then it just shows up and you got to deal with it. That's that's how a lot of legal proceedings go. It's like when you're you're facing an issue, it's like, all right, what happened in the past that we could draw on? Sure. Like what cases happened in, in the past that we can kind of use the ruling from that to inform this? But sometimes you got to create something new because it's just never been around. Yeah. Society is fascinating. Definitely. Yeah. And I love how we have been able to talk about this ancient plague, 700 years old, roughly, right? And then really realize how even though society has changed, technology has changed our understanding of what the world is has changed. Human nature hasn't really changed. I mean, it's the mm-hmm. same. 
700 years ago, next week, people generally are going to act the same. A lot of people in those times, the church ruled tons of people's lives. Mm -hmm. Yes. With so many different ways, financially, culturally, socially, legally. A lot of people, when the Black Plague was coming around, they decided to say, screw it. We're going to have fun. And there was quite a few cases of people basically, they're not celebrating the plague, but their their uh their ass was against the fire and so they just let their inhibitions go Anarchist. and there was tons of stories of like huh i'm not so sure about that i totally believe it right but there was people that would just party just heathens dude yeah and like there was a ton of drinking feasting parties like screwing around with each other <laughs> yeah and like some of the old dialogue about like what was proper or this or that was kind of out of the window like well who's to blame either the church or the the government for all like the black plague it's not us they have the power why aren't they stopping it mm-hmm. so like here we are and we're just gonna celebrate and live our lives because we might die anyway right. and some people just kind of gave into it and started to to just enjoy it and yeah. there was like quite a few stories of like pretty wild parties going on in that I time roaming sure bands of drunk people just singing songs wow <laughs> <laughs> That's a great picture. And, like, and the plague is just like going all around. Right. The plague doctors and then just these guys partying. Right. <laughs> so, sounds very human though. Yeah. 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 Like, right? I totally buy it. Exactly. Yeah. It reminds me of the, the riots in Ferguson. I heard there was a tremendous amount of looting going on. And I think it's partially that people feel like there's a free for all. And yeah. I'm going to take advantage of it Absolutely. in any way I can. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. People react in all kinds of different ways, right? There's this idea that every time there's chaos and like, you know, just something completely tragic going on, you can see, you can see so many different things going on, right? And then there's this image of like people like really, we, we start to show our, our capability to be super compassionate, right? And it's always interesting because there's a like there's always that obligatory picture of you know some some Caucasian man holding some like a little black kid right uh-huh. and mm-hmm. they're both crying right and yes that is absolutely an example of like you know who we are at the core like I believe that you know we're not necessarily like horrible people sometimes you know maybe we're programmed you know by all kinds of different factors that you know that that we encountered we we encounter you know in day to day life right media and whatever you're being taught at home and all this but perhaps in these moments right when some of these like tragic things are happening we tap into something that you know just is exists within our our goodness right and it doesn't matter like you know nothing else matters and that moment it's just like that person like has two arms like me it's so pure it has arms like me like that kid looks like my kid. Like, it, like it could be my child. Like my kid's nine years old. Like this kid, I need to save them. You know, I, I just thought I would definitely, you know, bring that up because I got that image, right? Because we're talking about all these different situations and how we would react and all of this. And yeah, there's you know, <laughs> there's always the people looting. You know, there's the people that are you know reacting to this in all kinds of different ways. The adventurous types. Okay, this is a freaking tornado. Some guys like. I need to get closer to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so true, right? I'm like, dude, what's wrong with you? <laughs> the, the dudes in the hurricanes, like they'll be showing the hurricane and then yeah. they'll just be like the people that walking around in it, you know? Dude, there's some yeah. guy, I kid you not, in his flip-flops, right? 
<laughs> and then there's someone like trying to like do some kind of, like the news right the news yeah. cameras here you know they're like oh my god the winds and then right behind them there's some dude just kind of like walking by man just in a white tee some shorts and <laughs> uh, or like people dancing like it's so funny like what's going on in these people's heads man when you know that's what would happen like if the in that in that movie they talk about that because that's sort of the exploration of human nature in that movie that i mentioned earlier and yeah a few of them are just like hey so uh me and so and so we're gonna go upstairs and we're gonna do this you know because why not right you know and you know that's how a lot of people would react some people would flip out and start looting. Some people would just be like, hey, let's have a giant party. Mm-hmm. Right. Because who knows what's happening tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's so comforting the- to know that there are different kinds of people that react in different ways and not all of them are terrible. Yeah. Yes. Good That's point. true. Yes. You know, some people are like, all right, let's seize this moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And some people are, are more called to help. So mm-hmm. I'm sure that even though there would be a large portion of people or a certain portion of people that would react negatively... I bet there would be those that are just naturally that way that would form new communities, that would form new ways of helping people, that would overcome whatever had broken down to forge whatever they could out of what was left. And I think that is the inspiring part of human nature because it Mm -hmm. tends to be what happens. It makes me think too about how technology might influence something today. And I think potentially what's really beautiful about, you know, social media is in a perfect world or in a very imperfect world, rather like heroic stories can be told. Yeah. And in times of need, like people latch on to those ideas, those purposes, those people, those movements. And I think there's a good chance if something very intense happened in the United States, um, whether it's, you know, anything from something that's not going to happen, like a zombie apocalypse to something right. that could happen like a world war three or like a pandemic sure, of yeah. some kind, mm-hmm. right? Social media would be hugely influential in that process, and we already see that in the world. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Right. The we've all seen the Buddhist monk, right, who like lit himself mm-hmm. on fire, and yeah. we've seen yeah. all the different, you know, WhatsApp and Facebook being used throughout the world for you know peoples and movements to prosper and yeah. fight for things and fight against things. That's awesome. It would be very interesting to see in a disaster scenario like this like the black plague in today's time how the internet would would influence that yeah mm-hmm. maybe be a force for real good yeah exactly i think that it really could yeah and it has potential talk- for all kinds of things especially because it can it still exists as it was meant to you know way back then right there's some people there's some people that want to take control of the internet because of how powerful it is but Thus far, they haven't been able to. And I really, really think that that is a great thing. And, you know, for good or bad, the way it exists right now, at least it allows everyone an equal, like, opportunity to use it for whatever. Exactly. And that's true. Instead of just being focused for one, you know, use. You know, because it's so interesting. One of the, the main proponents of an unregulated or a deregulated, or as loosely regulated society as possible, Mm -hmm. is because when we tend to think, you know, I've got the answer, my way is the only way, let me institute this and do it, it's the unknown, you know, unknowns that show up, and it ends up becoming a perversion. So it's like the internet is a perfect microcosm of just human nature. Yes, some people use the dark web for some horrible stuff, right? right? 
but it's also a backdoor channel for people who are trying to affect real social change amongst governments that are oppressive and who are killing their people right. to operate, yes. right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, it represents the good and the bad. And yeah. like you said, I don't want to see it regulated or I don't want to see society clamp down so much that we eliminate all the evil because then you eliminate creativity and then you eliminate that area where humankind can grow and learn in trying to make the perfect society. And I think that's even though I tend to fall on the spectrum of uh, a more socially organized society, you never want to lose that idea of freedom. It's kind of like you know, freedom of speech really only works when you hate the speech because we all want to keep the speech that we agree with. Right. But that guy over there saying the vilest thing ever, that's actually the speech you have to protect. Otherwise it doesn't mean anything, you know? And so that, that kind of freedom would be the area of operations. I think that when a calamity, like you said, were to happen, yeah, it man. would operate in. And I think that, you know, forming a perfect society or in a, any event expecting society to act perfectly and 0% evilly, is not going to happen, right? Like I'm, I'm a big proponent of, I believe human beings are naturally good. Right. Um, I also strongly believe that all human beings, even the best of us have some darkness. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's about appealing to that. I agree. Yeah, man. The shadow is very much a part of everything else, right? There's a balance and you no, know, it's important to maintain that. This has turned into a fascinating discussion, right? Yeah, right. And we started we off with here? the black plague, and we're talking about human <laughs> nature. Yeah, this has been great, man. Does anybody else have anything? I think we've kind of rolling in on the time that we would like to spend on this. Does yeah, anybody man. have anything yeah. that they thought about and they haven't brought to the the attention, and they, they want to talk about it? Yeah. Come um, on. How did you guys react to the most recent outbreak of Ebola, and how does that influence and educate? what we've been talking about now. Fascinating. Wow. Yeah, and that's that's interesting because, okay, so most of the people in this room probably weren't in Africa where it was happening. No, yeah. Mm -hmm. But, you know, having said that, it's not like I was, you know, anywhere close to ground zero, right? I was, I was quite far away, but it was... And when I say I was there, this is uh, the initial outbreak, right? I was a kid back then. And I just remember seeing the news. What year was that? But I'm pretty sure it was the 90s. Um, mm -hmm. I, can definitely, right. I can definitely look that up, uh, but I'm pretty sure it was the 90s. Mm -hmm. And I just remember being like really, really afraid because you're just seeing like all these bodies being thrown into these mass graves and being covered with some kind of powder. Of, you know, I'm like, I'm like, dude, what is going on? You know, people were dying in such large numbers and so quickly. Um, you know, but then, so there was that side of it, but then, you know, there's a hopeful side where you see the effort, you know, to try and call, you know, this, uh, massive, you know, tragedy, um, that's taking place and all these doctors and these people that are putting their lives, you know, at risk. Some of them came down with, you know, came down, you know, contracted the Ebola. There's actually a story of the more recently, mm -hmm. the more recent outbreak, there's a doctor that, uh, you know, contracted it and, was able to survive and he went right back, you know, to, you know, wow. work and try and save people. Um, so for me back then, uh, there was definitely an element of, you know, like fear, you know, especially not understanding a lot about this disease and what it's capable of. I just saw the fallout. And so I'm like, that's the same continent. I mean, 
why there's no reason why it can't make its way here mm-hmm. now it's a little bit you know different i know a little bit more you know i you know when it happened i could go and follow what was going on online mm-hmm. you know but we're back to that you know technology and like how it's really uh helped us you know figure out ways to cope you know with some of these things that happen uh and that's definitely one way i do it i try and find out as much as i can whether it's true or not yeah it's it's now i feel more hopeful because just like you know we when we talked about battlefield medicine mm-hmm. you know eventually those deaths started going down because they figured stuff out right yeah. and that's exactly mm-hmm. where we're at and you saw how the re- you know you saw how you know the whole thing played out more recently some of the people that contracted ebola when they were in in africa and ended up back here on on, on us soil mm-hmm. there was a massive effort to you know get them you know quarantined and then start like pulling resources to try and figure out how to help this person really in an effort to stop you know the spread right but also to save the, you know the individuals because i'm pretty sure it's a different strain right and and that's exactly yes. what happened right so it's yeah it's just it's just interesting to see how these things take place because even the plague still is is around right but it only kills about 11% was that the number i think something like that yeah but it's still like fatal you know mm. it's it's you know it's definitely going to you know, it'll kill you you still don't want to get it you still don't want to right. get it yeah. it's not the cold it's not yeah. influenza <laughs> i think there's about 10 cases a year in the united states right well right yeah so could be wrong 10 cases huh Think so. Yeah, that's more than I would. Of specifically the plague? <laughs> Bubonic plague. Bubonic plague. So first of all, David, that was a great question. I want to ask you some more questions based upon David's question, Adrian. What was the dialogue like during that initial Ebola outbreak between you and your family, you and your friends, you and your classmates, all that stuff? Also in terms of like when you would hear adults speak, what was being said, what was being said on the news? Another thing I want to add yeah. real quick it's interesting, the question you asked before, like what would happen if someone in my family got sick during a plague like this, how would I react? If you look at it on a large scale, the US was that family and anyone coming from Africa who had the uh, who had Ebola was like that family member that was sick and then looking at how we dealt with it. You're right, the American. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, good point. Yeah. Yeah, I I definitely think so yeah, wow. when he was talking about that example of, you know, if someone gets, you know, you know, gets a plague in your house, I was that, that's what I was thinking about. I was like, you know, this whole the whole Ebola thing that played out, you know, in, in Africa. So to answer the question, so what was the conversation about? First off, as kids, we weren't really like talking about it, right? This was something that we were more witnessing mm-hmm. um and and kind of experiencing from uh, you know, that lens, like we're kids, we're seeing the the rest of the world react, the news, parents in the home. And I mean, generally, there was a there were just a lot of questions. You know, it was more about, oh, man, you know, like, you know, so there was just so much mystery around this, all the questions you can expect, right? Like, what is this? We know it's called Ebola, but how is it killing people so fast? You know, like, you know, they just people just wanted to know more. And just the shock of, you know, the imagery, Right. Like you're not even there. Like imagine being in the area like, you know, like with the plague, they were talking about like socially how devastating it was to see piles and piles of bodies on like on these carts. Right. Um, for many people who are, you know, in, in that part of the continent, that's what they got to experience because, you know, the, it was very it was very close. It was around the corner. These were your neighbors, you know, that were experiencing this. Then the other part of it is there was also there was a lot of migration 
because those people out there were like super scared, right? And so they started to migrate to all kinds of different places. And then you see some of the people in the nations that the the host nations, you know, how they're reacting, right? So they're trying, even as much as they want to practice compassion, they also want to protect, you know, their own. So they create these camps, right? You know, to try and figure out how they can perhaps uh, perform some kind of triage. Like, okay, fine, you can come in, but we have to like make sure everything's on the up and up with whoever we do let in mm-hmm. because we're not trying to have this thing, you know, spread like wildfire because, I mean, it already is kind of doing that, you know? By harming those around you, you're not doing anyone very much good. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, we de- we definitely witnessed those kind of things happening because it's very much like, you know, war. Like when, when you have something, you know, pandemic of that, you know, nature just come in, you know, that's exactly, you see similar things happening. People want to, you know, f- figure out a way to, you know, make it to safety. That created, you know, a whole other layer of, uh, you know, concern. So, yeah, as a kid, I was just observing and I just saw everyone was just very curious. Obviously, because we were so far from, you know, I, I grew up in East Africa um, and a lot of what was going on was uh, happening, you know, you know, a long way from where we were at. Um, and actually, not too far. I mean, it definitely could have made its way to us, which is why, you know, we're, you know, everyone is trying to keep tabs, you know, making sure. I just remember being kind of pissed off because of how much the news was always on, man. And I was like, dude, what happened to cartoon time, man? <laughs> <laughs> so the social impact on me was just like huge, right? I'm like, there's no balance in this house. <laughs> it's all CNN and. I don't know that we're helping by watching this much news. You know, very selfish. Yeah, I just wanted to, you know, Cartoon Network, man. And it's happened a few times, you know, in Africa. I was just reading, like, initially, you know, there was what, like, in 1976 was one of the first times, um, you know, Ebola was brought up. And that was, let me see. So, yeah, that was most recent, which was 2014 to 2016. There was uh, 1994 uh, Cote d'Ivoire. Um, and then I, th- I believe if I'm not wrong, I don't know if it was both of these. Cause I mean, I was, I was, you know, a little kid at this point in 1994 and 1995, there, there were uh, those two outbreaks, one in Cote d'Ivoire and one in Zaire. And that the one in Zaire is definitely the one that I remember uh, as a kid. Yeah. I remember that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. D- yeah. I was, I was, I was pretty frightened. And it's so, it's so interesting because you actually probably the closest here in the room to experiencing an event like that mm-hmm. where there even though it didn't turn into that kind of uh, pandemic right there was the possibility and yeah, you yeah. you were having to deal with that possibility so uh, my understanding is we're talking a few thousand miles right yeah from so zaire is the, so also like formerly known as the Demo, uh, the DRC right Democratic Republic of Congo that is central central africa, africa right? right so we're east i mean so i mean it's just as you know you could have gone west you could have gone east where yeah we're close enough but so, so they I speak guess, swahili yeah, is like, yeah right <laughs> so, so i guess my point would be you know it, what is it about three thousand miles from new york to la you know yeah so it exactly would, right. it would be as if you know i lived in la and this is happening in idaho not idaho uh Ohio, right, right, right. So you know, think about that. How would we feel, right? Right. It's just the local governments that really, you know, probably 
all of those local governments, all those borders around there, right? Those are the people that kept it from, you know, spreading as much right. as it could have. Because it's not like a lot of the people, if you think about that time back then, as far as socioeconomic status goes, not a lot of people could afford to like fly, right? So you're not having mm-hmm. a mass exodus by plane. So, you, you know, th- which ensures the spread to be like yeah. much quicker, right? Um, you, you're talking about people like, you know, making their way out of that country on foot. Right. You know, because mm-hmm. that the majority were of that socioeconomic status, right? They were yeah. just, you know, um, farmers and, you know, little communities, like real actual villages. Right. You know, villagers, right? Much easier to contain than, much than easier. here, where it might be, even if it were 24 hours before the government took action, yeah. how many people would be like, like we talked about earlier, you know what? I have a little bit of knowledge. We're leaving right now. We're getting on the plane right now. Right. That would actually spread it way quicker. Way exactly. quicker. Yeah. Right. Well, what there's that famous, well, semi-famous movie with Bruce Willis, Twelve Monkeys, right? And that's the whole plan, is it starts in yes. the airport and then all these people leave from there. Yes. Yeah. Dangerous stuff. It is. So going on to something you mentioned about selfishness. So in 2014, when there is a, like a small Ebola outbreak. In the U.S., one of the first things that I remember coming to my mind was looking around like, oh, who has it around me? And that selfish element of like, oh, I got to protect myself from everyone around me. And it was almost mm-hmm. this suspicion. Mm-hmm. It reminds me now of a fear of communism during uh, the Cold War. Right. And how everyone was like suspicious of everyone around them. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Oh, man, I feel that every winter when the cold starts going <laughs> yeah. around, right? I'm looking at all my friends and family like... Nope. <laughs> the other week you scared me. I went home like, oh, started sanitizing my whole apartment. Like, oh, Yo, man. that dude, I, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> no one loves having the cold, but I particularly despise having the cold, man. And so I just mm-hmm. get real suspicious. I was looking yeah. at all my friends and family like, you're a carrier, man. Right? <laughs> it's so funny because Adrian will change how he shakes your hand or if he shakes your hand. Based on the season, mm-hmm. yeah. right? So like, wow, the, you know, the traditional like slap of the, that's not happening for part of the year. It's fist bump, fist, mm-hmm. just fist bump, fist which bump, is actually right. smart, right? Yeah. yeah. I was talking with somebody the other day, you know, you spread things because you, you touch something and then you, you touch some part of your face. Yes. How often we do that. Yes. Right? And it's like Owen says, you could be in that situation and you could know everything to do. And then one time mm-hmm. you eat mm-hmm. a cracker because <laughs> you're hungry. <laughs> right. And you forgot to wash your hands. Oh and now God. you're dead. Yes. You know, it's like, man, yes. at least mm-hmm. it's just the cold, which sucks. Right. Because yes. I just had it this week. But, uh, the, uh yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Everybody spread out. No. <laughs> But it's funny because as much as you try, the reason the cold is so successful as a thing is because you don't even know you got it when you're spreading it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and Adrian's pointed that out. Like It's not really when you're sick, although you still don't want to cough in people's faces. It's the two or three days before you actually feel symptoms, Mm -hmm. but you've got the cold. That's when you're spreading it, you know? That's a really interesting thing to bring up. And I think the Black Plague for me is particularly scary because most illnesses, if they're really deadly, it itself kills all its hosts really quickly. And if it's really deadly, oftentimes it takes a really long time to transmit. Mm -hmm. There's very few that are easy to transmit and very deadly. Mm -hmm. And if there's an incubation period of even a couple days, and it seemed like with the Black Death, there was that. That's terrifying. Yeah, like that's yeah. like that is like the the biological thing that could wipe out humanity as those characteristics. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, because that's the cold. What makes it so effective, right? It doesn't kill you. Yeah. So it mm-hmm. continues, and and usually something that's super deadly kills the people that would carry it before they spread it, so they don't spread it. If we quarantined everyone exactly. that had the cold, it would probably decrease the amount of people that get it. But it's right. not that severe that we're like, oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. right. Exactly. I can still go to work. I can still go to school. <laughs> exactly. You know, exactly. Yeah. 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 The hassle of those people being quarantined would almost be a bigger hassle than yes. myself having the cold. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. why isn't the bus working? Or like, right. oh, I can't go to this place for food today. Whatever. Right. And honestly, everyone fist bumping instead of shaking hands would probably be a way better method to go about it exactly mm-hmm. yeah we should just start a campaign right <laughs> <laughs> bump for bubonic for... <laughs> <laughs> oh it's great it, it adds an interesting question we can look back then and we can say oh this that they did that that they did stupid ignorant uneducated whatever something even like handshaking today is one of those things that in the future people may look back on right. and be like, wow, I can't believe they did that. How, <laughs> you know, like the amount of money that costs them <laughs> and amount of lives right. yeah. and like what well, a stupid thing for the so species crazy. to do. I was thinking the other day, like what are we going to look back on in 50 years and be like, that wasn't very smart. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and handshaking yeah. is a really good contender. Yeah. Yeah. It is such an ancient tradition meant to show that you're not armed, right? Yeah. But now it's like, well, you, you get lessons on it. You got to have a firm handshake and look him in the eye. In fact, you need to show you are armed with integrity. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's, respect. Yeah. Yes. Right. When it Strength. really is not a useful tradition anymore. Like, I don't have mm-hmm. to grip your hand and know that you're not carrying a weapon. Mm-hmm. Right. But, you know. People do what people do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we, we like tradition. Yeah, we like tradition. You know, it's it's safe. It's familiar. You know, there's all these things that we love about it, right? Yeah. But sometimes it's not advantageous. No. And that's why, you know, if it continued to be an issue, it would be interesting is if we lived in a time where there were a plague like that or something going around, I bet you it ends like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Modern yeah. medicine. And then 20 years from now, nobody would do it. Yep. Man. Fascinating stuff. Modern medicine is something that this has made me very grateful for. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Soap, right. hand sanitation, mentioned hazmat suit earlier. Yeah. All sorts of like technological, public health, even infrastructural things mm-hmm. that allowed us to live the lifestyle that we live today is. Uh, easy dissemination of information, education, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, big time. Like yeah. you were saying a, a big thing that people want when something is going on is education, just to know what's happening. Right. 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 And I think of the, the method of getting that information, right, which was developed a few hundred years after that, that we still use today to ascertain the difference between myth and truth. And it comes from that evidence-based, you know, I'm not going to look at the world and determine my theory and then fit the facts. Yeah. I'm going to look at the facts and let that lead me to the theory that we can operate under. It's a much better way to live as far as building a society because it's allowed us to have, you know, hospitals that actually work as best as we can make them currently and they're constantly improving. And that's the whole idea of the math and right? Exactly. Yeah. So we've had a really wide ranging discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we are actually coming up on 
the limit of our time without making this a double episode. Although we could probably sit down and have this discussion for another two or oh, three yeah. hours. Probably. I, I think what we've learned here is that we're going to have to bring this back together and just discuss some interesting things from time to time. I mean, it's great when we have mm-hmm. people like Kweeka on, who is just amazing, and then Baird before her, amazing. Yep, yep. And I think just a little preview, we're going to have uh, – uh, you know, some shows about some of the stories around this table, which are going to be fascinating. But it's also just fascinating to sit down and talk about a historical topic and then bring it into the present day. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's been a great like, been. thought experiment, man. Yes. And you two guys have been fantastic because yeah. it was so interesting to see how it turned. Like, usually we're the ones asking the questions and mm-hmm. you guys were like, hey, how would you react? How? It was fascinating. It was and great. I, this yes. has been a, a fantastic episode. Uh, I thank everybody for uh, allowing me to be a part of it. Yeah, Where absolutely. did we start? <laughs> <laughs> so I think we started like, quick with, recap. with Aaron giving a quick recap. Hey, a lot of people died. It was during this time frame. Right. It was caused by this illness. Yeah. I think that was where we started, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And, yeah. I, and then we just moved on from there, right? We talked about... Some of the history, like you said, then yep. we got into the the science of it, and then mm-hmm. I think the best part was when y'all started turning it into what would we do today, right? right. And it mm-hmm. becomes the social, yeah, yeah the social, right. yes, 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 an historical, yeah, what what occurred in society, right? Yeah, man, right, like bring ourselves to that time period, put exactly. ourselves in their shoes, yeah. I think that's one thing we didn't do with the Battlefield Medicine episode that would have made it fascinating. If these well, two guys had been here for that, I mean, yeah. it, was, it was great. It was great. But, but but I think that is the beauty of, and when we first started the podcast, right, we agreed that the journey and seeing ourselves and others seeing the growth, right, bringing other people in, yeah. bringing in all these different ideas to like, you know, continue to build and develop, you know, what it, how we present you know, it was it was part of the the appeal. Exactly, and now it's right. happening. Fantastic. Yeah, it's happening. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is just exciting stuff coming up for to teach one. Uh, we are really advancing in new directions, directions we did not imagine when when uh we not began. even in the slightest. No, <laughs> but it's it's super exciting, and both of these gentlemen are a part of it, and it's. We just can't wait, and we yeah. hope that you, you stick around and join us on this ride. Join this community, you know? Yeah, man. We're super psyched. Yeah, and if you really want to join us, uh, join this community, feel free to do so. We are on Facebook and Instagram at T-W-O-T-E-A-C-H-O-N-E. Uh, you can also reach us by, you know, by sending us an email um, on our through our website, and that's at www.toteachone.com. That's www, the number two. T-E-A-C-H, the number one, dot com. To teach one. Yeah. Awesome. Aaron and Adrian, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Really. I don't think this would be the last one, David. (laughs) No, definitely not. (laughs) No. Not with your energy and your insight. It was uh, and the beard. a pleasure. The, and dude, the beard. How do you forget <laughs> the, the beard, beard, man? Well, because I'm, I'm jealous of beards because I don't actually grow one very well. So I, I tend to just pretend they don't exist. Right. <laughs> well, moving on. No, it's a fantastic beard. It's a fantastic beard. My man Owen over here has a, also a fantastic beard. Dude, he tamed his, man. Yeah, he yeah, tamed it thing. recently. But it's a, it's a work. Yes. It's great. Yes. I wanted to thank you guys, Aaron and Adrian, for having me. And uh, David, buddy. I think we'll be back. I love this format. I love like the idea of picking a a topic, specifically a historical one, and dissecting it and just talking about it. Absolutely, man. We'll do it again. Yeah. All right. So uh, for everybody listening. My name is Adrian. My name is Aaron. 
My name's Owen. And I'm David. Thanks for joining us. Until next time. To teach one. <laughs>